Today on CityCast Denver, why is Denver such a haven for deadheads and jam bands? I always wonder about Colorado stereotypes like that and how they came to be. And growing up here, I never really understood the whole jam band thing. So as thousands of tie-dye wearing deadheads descend on Mission Ballroom for two nights with Bob Weir this weekend, I called up the biggest deadhead I know to break it down. The Grateful Dead talked about wide open spaces and Old West cowboys and railroad journeys to Cheyenne. You know, the Dead's all about freedom. Vic Vela is a host and reporter with Colorado Public Radio, and he's going to explain how Denver came to support multiple Dead-themed bars, chicken restaurants, dispensaries, and dozens of concerts every year. Today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Vic Vela, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hey, Bree, thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. It's uh, it's so great being here. I've always wanted to come on, and and now I'm t- I get to talk about something. That I love. That you probably don't get asked about a ton. I have to be honest with you. I like know this about, I know what we're about to talk about with you from Twitter. Yeah. Where we share what we love, you know? Um, And well, honestly, so this, this idea came about because we've been talking about this idea of Colorado stereotypes and the jam band fan is one that came to mind for me as a music person. And it had me wondering like, what is the origin of that fandom why is yeah. it so big in Colorado, right? And I, I thought of you, um, Vic, because I know that you're like a self-professed deadhead, but <laughs> I I would just like love to hear from you why you sort of identify with this genre. Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's actually probably a question that a lot of newcomers have, right? Because Bree, you and I are 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 born and raised in Colorado. Um, totally, we have a lot of newcomers, right? Just over the last 10, 20 years, this place has sure. just exploded, and they, you know, if someone moves here from Michigan or California or whatever, they're like, "Why are there so many hippies here? Like, why is, what's all the what's with all these deadheads?" And uh, it, I'm sure they have the same question. And I can only try to use my own experiences and and you know in, in terms of having the best guess at it so to speak i think when we talk about jam bands first and foremost we have to start with the grateful dead right um, you know the the godfathers the granddaddy of them all right like they right the dead have, have has a lot of roots in colorado going back to the 1960s you know they played at city park for free uh what yeah in 1967 can you can you imagine it um um no i cannot yeah. like that's like the that's one of those shows where like if you were there that's like you get to tell people you were there. Well, that's exactly right. And and I hope someone reaches out and tweets about that they were there because here's the thing, like, you know, the dead has so many bootlegs from over the years. Like if you if you want to go back and listen to one of their concerts from the 60s or 70s or whatever, you could probably do it. But that show remains a mystery. It's it's not circulated, certainly not widely circulated. So they definitely played at City Park. Uh, wow. and, but they, there's just not a lot of audio from it. I do know just from lore that Jerry Garcia blew out, you know, their, their speakers, uh, on the very first note because they weren't prepared for altitude. Uh, so it was very, uh, <laughs> that's the story that we hear to this day from performers, the, the struggle, the struggle with the altitude. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and, and the dead 
played at other venues and you know this old uh, venue called the family dog which is now long defunct and and uh, mammoth uh, gardens which is now Fillmore. yeah so so the dead have a lot of roots here and i think when you talk about Colorado, a lot of the features that are often mentioned in Robert Hunter's lyrics, he was the chief lyricist for the Grateful Dead, Coloradans can relate to, right? Like the Grateful Dead talked about wide open spaces and Old West cowboys and railroad journeys to Cheyenne. You know, the dead's all about freedom. And and Western states like Colorado have a very libertarian core to them in that we value kind of that that maverick being, you know, that freedom yeah. of expression here. Uh, you know, we're not going to be confined to the coasts. You know, we're Coloradans, gosh darn it. And, uh, you know, that old saying of go west, young man, that that attitude, I think a lot of Coloradans had. Those are also core values of the Grateful Dead. Also, I think we're talking about uh, a different concert and touring world in the 60s and 70s right like Mm. it it was much freer it was not corporately operated i mean it was like the ability to have that freedom to travel to tour how you wanted to for folks to show up to your shows you know without having their tickets scanned like we just i don't even think that we could do it today in the same way but they really were doing that thing that people come to Colorado to do. I know, because all Jerry ever wanted to do was play the music. And he famously said, I'm paraphrasing here, that when, once we're done playing, it, it's all yours. You guys could do with it whatever you want. Like, he didn't care about sales. Like, he didn't care about people recording their shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. The bootleg culture around it is really fascinating to me. Yeah. And I, I'm guessing that is really has helped them sustain, but also the proliferation of a type of fan that exists today that existed 50 years ago. That's you don't see fandoms really like that. And and Vic, I have to say, I think you're younger than me. And this is a genre that is, is kind of ageless in that sense. But what it like what attracted you to the music as a young person? Yeah. And to your point, like still today, there are just as many steal your yes. face stickers on the backs of cars <laughs> as there were in the 80s right and the, and right. the 70s like it's it's just profound how much this audience has grown what drew me to the dead's music was was lsd at first <laughs> I was, hey I, I love the i appreciate the honesty a lot of us <laughs> like to pretend that's not how it happened <laughs> it was uh my my friends uh, dragged me to see Shakedown Street. Uh, okay, the, the Colorado, a, a local. yeah, Colorado cover band. They were playing up at the Mishawaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perfect at, venue. Yeah, Poudre Poudre Canyon. And um, I, I was in high school. They said, "Let's go see this band up here, and we'll just drop acid." I'm like, "You had me at acid, so let's just go." <laughs> and I just remember seeing them and they're playing all these songs that are so fun and everyone's dancing and everyone's smiling and it's like you know you can have a lot of bad trips but it was impossible to be in a bad mood in that experience because everyone was in such a great mood and the band was on fire and everyone was having a good time and i'm like wow where has this music been all my life And then I went home and listened to old bootlegs that my friends had. And 
I was hooked. I remember, you know, laying on my uh, on a on my friend's bed. We skipped school and just took acid. I'm sorry for all the drug references, but it's true. I, like, it's part of the story. <laughs> it's yeah. part of the story. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because you know, uh, drugs aside, which I haven't done in more than seven years, like I experienced this great music sober. And think, here's the thing, when people ask me about the Grateful Dead and why I'm such a fan, like, well, it's like, this is a band that will play, will one minute play an old Marty Robbins or an old, you know, uh, cowboy song. Uh, sure. The next minute they'll play an old blues number. And then the next minute they'll, they'll jam out for 20 minutes. And then the next minute they're gonna, they're gonna put, tease a little Miles Davis. This band has its roots in every kind of American music. And it really, the dead, what I love about the dead is how much they pay tribute to the roots of American music, blues and jazz and, and rock and roll and things like that. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. I want to go back to like why this is a Colorado thing, because it's not just that the Grateful Dead came here they played like 20 shows at red rocks right yeah what yeah. <laughs> any artist would be thrilled to have that one right um you know that's i think you hit on something i think that has a lot to do with it like red rock shows take a mystique you know they have For a sure. mystique unlike any other venue in the country uh you know u2's famous shows there Jimi hendrix played there Right, the like, Beatles played. My mom saw the Beatles there. That, as that's a child. incredible, isn't that just, just incredible to <laughs> it's think mind about? Blowing. Yeah, when you go there for any show, you just take a moment and close your eyes and say, "Wow, the Beatles played here!" Right, and and it's just yeah. an, it's incredible to think about. So it's it's like the venue for a band that's trying to make it, and when they finally land Red Rocks, they can say, "We made it." And I think that mystique has a lot to do with it. Look playing red rocks you're on a pedestal and the other thing is you're out playing in nature and you're not confined to some arena you know when you're out in nature it's very colorado right it's yeah, that's it's true it's very pro nature and that appeals to to hippies and you know and so there if you there's a lot of people dancing barefoot in the aisles right uh it, it, it it's very colorado I can see that. I can see that. Um, but so speaking of the Colorado thing, it's it's not just that the dead did well here. We have bands that come from Colorado that are of this direct lineage, right? String yeah. Cheese, Leftover Salmon, the Motet, Yonder Mountain String Band. Like, what can you tell me about the sort of aftermath or the effects of the dead on Colorado's music scene? You know, Brie, I grew up in Longmont and, and I lived in Boulder for a while. And so I would go to Nederland a lot just because it's, it's gorgeous. And um, I would sometimes in, in high school and, and in early college go see this little band play at a coffee shop or a little bar in Nederland. 
and they were the Yonder Mountain String Band, and and they went on to do very big things and playing Red Rocks and things like that. Like these, yeah, some of these bands that you mentioned all just started off as little garage bands in someone's garage in Longmont or in Denver or wherever, Boulder, and then pretty soon they're they're selling CDs of of their sold out show at, at Red Rocks. Um, and I think when that lineage goes directly to the Grateful Dead and those should think about it, like, you know, when people would experience the Grateful Dead's music while they were traveling with the band back in the 60s or 70s, and they'd go see the dead here in Colorado and they say, wow, I like this Colorado. It's not, you know, we're not we're not living on top of each other like in New York City or or L.A. or, or San Francisco. Like maybe I'll just set some roots here. And and so those parents who were deadheads are now raising kids. And, you know, parents love to play their favorite music for their kid. I'm sure you can relate to that, Brie. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, that's my household. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then the kids pick up on that. And then they, it's almost like they, they pass the baton onto their children and their children will form leftover salmon or string cheese incident, right? Like these roots all go back to that time when the dead first played here in the 60s. I'm also having this epiphany. Maybe, Vic, we blame uh, John Denver too much for inviting people to Colorado when in reality, a little bit of that might have been the dead, like spreading the the like fun, not not the myth, but like that that idea, the idea of the, the great Wild West outdoors, beautiful come to Colorado. <laughs> you know, I'm as you know, I'd shine my light through the cool Colorado rain. Uh, you know, me and my uncle is, you know, I'm as honest as a Denver man can be like all these uh, Rocky mountain references and, and let's not discount. I mean, John Denver for sure, I'm sure had a huge impact on that. Right. Like he was just, uh, God, God love that guy. But yeah, I think it was, I think they worked in tandem pretty well at expressing similar themes about this state. So I have to ask you before we go, um, Sancho's Broken Arrow has been closed down. I, I think I joked on Twitter that corrupt dead themed bar is like a whole <laughs> genre of bar here. Um, can you tell folks who aren't familiar what Sancho's Broken Arrow was? Okay. It, it has a long history. It's funny, Brie, because back in the 90s, I was doing radio voiceover work um, in this little office out on East Colfax. Uh, and uh, someone who was working at that uh, at that voiceover company said, you know, there's a they knew I was a deadhead. You know, you know, there's like a Grateful Dead bar right around the block. And I just was like, what? Well, at that time, it was Quixote's. It was Coyotes. That's right. You know, then the next thing was Sancho's Broken Arrow, which opened on East Colfax uh, uh, as well, which was uh, which became a really popular spot for twenty plus years. Yeah, of people going there, they 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 play some dead on the jukebox. There's dead memorabilia everywhere, and everyone's having a good time before maybe they go to a show at the Fillmore or the Ogden or whatever. And for a long time, it was it was great. Like, wow, there's a Deadhead bar, like. Who would have thunk it? You know, there's sports bars, right? That where where the, where you could go watch the Broncos or play or whatever. Now there's a deadhead bar where people, where deadheads can go and play some random show on the jukebox, and everyone's like, "Oh, good choice, man. Yeah, and you know, they'll buy you a drink." 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to speak to the problems they had because those have been well documented. I've I've known Jay, the owner, for since since I first walked into Quixote's, you know, 25 years ago. I don't even know how many years ago. Uh, you know, his problems are his problems. Uh, Fair. And, and it is it is too bad that this happened because this could have been something that we we should be celebrating. It could have been like a thing that Colorado's known for. Like, we not only have one awesome dead yeah. bar, we've got a network of dead bars. And maybe that's like the future. But for the time being, I feel you, it's like maybe the era is Yeah, or at that. least taking a pause. I think I think everyone's wondering what's going to happen next. I mean, there's still plenty of places where you could go and experience the dead's music in Colorado without having to go to that bar. And it's also an opportunity for someone else to pick up the baton, right? Like I totally because, you know, another a brand new deadhead bar in central Denver is not going to fail. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not going to fail. Like I, it, that's an excellent point. If anybody is really looking for their next venture, a deadhead bar in Colorado, especially <laughs> in Denver, would do great. And it goes to the overall point of you having this conversation, right? Like the fact that we have deadhead themed bars that sell out, right? Oh, that, yeah. that are packed. That are packed. Just goes to show how how crazy uh this this place has has become in terms of its love for the music and the artists feel that love look there's a reason why bob weir will play two nights here there's a reason why dead and company is playing three nights in boulder right next summer because they know folks will like and i think that's something that i think if you don't watch sort of the the concert world as much as we do that's not that common and and just knowing when you're on that field at, at folsom field you know, the dead first played at Folsom Field in 1972. And when I'm on the field and the band's about to take the stage and they play their first song, I always look up around at the stadium and it's just packed. And I'm thinking, every one of these people are here for the same reason I'm here. And that's to have a spiritual experience with the Grateful Dead's music. Uh, I can't think of a, of a more profoundly powerful experience than that. Well, Vic Bella, thank you so much for joining me. This was a hoot. I, I had such a good time talking about this. And, uh, you know, the time just flew by. I could talk about this for hours. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Brie. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Colorado House Minority Leader Hugh McKean suffered a heart attack and died Sunday morning at his home in Loveland. The Republican was 55 years old, a father of two, and in the middle of a re-election campaign where he was running unopposed. He served for six years in the State House of Representatives and, according to the Colorado Sun, was known for his work trying to unify hardline conservatives and more mainstream Republicans. And finally... Over the weekend, the official Casa Bonita Instagram account broke a months-long silence to post a video of the Pink Palace getting a light dusting of snow with the simple caption, quote, first official snow of the season. But being the rabid CB aficionados that we are here in the Denver Metro, many commenters feverishly asked, when are you going to open? Casa Bonita has yet to respond, but you know that we will let you know as soon as they announce literally anything. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the deadhead in your life about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. We feed our dog everything from the table to the point where when my it, when my toddler is done with his food, he says, boom, which is our dog, Boomhauer's name. He says, boom, boom. And then he just throws his plate on the floor because he knows that Boomhauer is going to eat it. And I'm like, this is not helpful, <laughs> son. <laughs>